If, if the week behind you was the best week you've ever had, and there's nowhere in the world that you would rather be right now than right here, would you show me that by just sitting there and being quiet? <laughs> Shoot, I thought I'd get you because you're always so quiet when I start. The week behind me was a great week. I wish that you could have sat with me and the staff at Renaissance Church while at our staff meeting this week, we heard from Michael and also spoke to him. As the staff talked to him about the ways that God had blessed them and this church through his ministry, and then as he talked to us, uh, as he shared with us how he thought God would challenge us, it was magnificent. Michael, thank you for that. Uh, I wish that you could have overheard the conversations that I had this week with many people who've been at this church from the beginning. Uh, so amazing for me to listen. Two stand out. I had coffee on Wednesday at Boxwood and lunch on Friday at Pizza Vita, obviously. <laughs> and those conversations for me, so magnificent. Uh, in both I heard stories about what God has done through this church over the years. I heard about the first meeting at the middle school. I heard about the surprise that here's a place where I can invite my friends, that a church can be like this, that kids would bring their parents to church. I heard about authenticity and the way that adults were able to be vulnerable with each other in a way that was disarming. Masks came off and people came to faith the Bible was opened in small groups and God spoke. Uh, I heard about new life and baptism. It was so encouraging to me. I thought during those conversations, I thought, yeah, this is what God does when people hear him call and they step out in faith. You know, I also heard uh, in both of those conversations that it hasn't always been easy. Uh, actually, that's an understatement. <laughs> I did hear that along the way there have been challenges and roadblocks, uh, barriers to forward movement that would make most people think there's no way this thing is going to work. Uh, let me be frank. I'm in those two conversations, but I've heard it over and again that the challenges that Renaissance Church has faced over the years were so great at times that it made people think maybe this isn't going to work. I thought, you know, that's also what happens every time a group of people strike out trusting God and move forward in faith. Every time that happens for every group, and this is for you wherever you are, for every person who tries to trust God, when we, when we step out in faith to follow him, we will always find ourselves confronted by foes that are stronger than we are. Do you know that? We'll see that this morning. There's a third thing that I heard in both of those conversations on Wednesday and on Friday and, on, and in many others besides. And it was hope. Uh, hopefulness that right where Renaissance is right now, that in this moment, even with things being different than we might have expected, that there is hope that the very best days that God has for this community are right here and moving forward even. 
not because of what we have, but because of who God is. That came through in my conversations this week and has in the last month in a way that makes me feel so glad and so grateful and so confident. Because the truth is that whenever a group of people step out in faith, God does great things and, and every time, there will be opposition that stands up against those who want to move forward in faith, which will be stronger than they are. And this is, this is a statement of faith. I want you to look up here. This is a statement of faith, which is true for Renaissance Church, for every individual in here who seeks to follow God. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among us will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. These words were written originally by the Apostle Paul to a group of Christians in a community in Philippi. They were weak compared to the oppression and the power of the kingdom all around them. God had given them something good to do. And so when Paul looked at them and understood that every one of them, when they try to follow the call of God, will face resistance, what he could say in confidence is that God is faithful and he is faithful to bring what he started here into full expression. That you don't need to be afraid or fear because of resistance. Because no matter how strong the foes are that you face on the road, God is stronger still. And that's where his confidence came from. Now here, what we're going to see this morning is that this idea, this principle of faith, which that man could express back then, it is a faith that has been proven true throughout the history of God's people. We're going to look together at one story in particular which demonstrates the truth of it with great clarity. The story of a man named Caleb. Uh, his story falls in line with the characters that we at Renaissance have been considering in this series of Stepping Out in Faith. Abraham, Joseph, Moses, uh, Caleb is right in line with him. If those names and the stories are, are completely foreign to you, Take time this week and go to renchurch.com and, and listen to those messages. I want to set the scene for the story which demonstrates what, what I've said and what I know is true for Renaissance and what has come through in the conversations. This truth that no matter what, the barriers that we face, if God has called us to move forward, God is stronger still and we don't need to give up. That the best days are ahead of us. We'll see that in Caleb's story. And here's the scene. Uh, Moses has led God's people out of oppression in Egypt. Imagine now this man in the desert with multitudes of people there, and, and now they have to go to sleep night after night under the stars. It's not what they had planned. They're glad to be free from what was behind, but now the present looks really challenging. And so Moses leads them right up to the edge of the land that God had promised to give the people. It's called Canaan. And there on the borders of this land... He picks 12 men to become spies. Now, these 12, one of them comes from each of the tribes of Israel. They're the descendants of Jacob. He gathers these 12 and he tells them, I'm going to send you into the land, spy it out, and see what it looks like. And he does this because God has told Moses, you are going to go forward into that land and it will be yours. And so there they stand and the spies go out. Forty days passes as the people wait to hear what comes from their report. And then they return and Moses gathers all the people together to hear from the spies about the opposition that may be there. 
And we're going to take this story bit by bit and see what we learn. In verse 27 of chapter 13, we hear the report of the spies. They come back. Two men are carrying a pole between their shoulders. There's something great hanging on it. It's a giant cluster of grapes. And here's what they say. We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Uh, Milk and honey means the nourishment that you need to live and the sweetness that makes life great. The grapes hanging between the pole means the land is more fertile than you can imagine. There's plenty of rich nutrients in the soil. There's sunlight and water. The land that God has promised to give us is better than we could have possibly imagined. Step aside for a moment. You know that the promises that God has for communities like Renaissance Church are better than we could imagine? Do you know that? The promise of God making himself known to ordinary people and changing their lives. Some of you experience that. Uh, Everyone in here who's begun to hear the call of God and step forward, you should know that the promises that God has for you are like the best land that anyone could ever get. That's what it is. This is not the end of the report from the spies. They tell of how great the land is, and they continue in verse 28, yet the people who live in the land are strong. And the towns are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of the Anak there. This is a very intimidating report. The descendants of the Anak are reputed to have been giants. The strongest, most physically imposing people known. There's lots of conjecture nowadays as to exactly who the Anakites were. But for now... This means the people in the land between us and the promises of God are impossibly strong. They're not just a little bit stronger than we are. They are a lot stronger, and there are many of them, and the towns that they live in are fortified. They have gigantic stone walls between us and the promises of God. Between the good land, between the future that God has promised, and where we are right now, here, are impossible foes. That's what they're saying. This will also be true for each community and individual when they start to follow after God. The report continues. Verse 29, The Amalekites live in the land of the Negev. The Hittites and Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live by the sea and along the Jordan. This catalog of people and places means Opposition is not just here, but everywhere. The Negev is the dry, barren flatlands. The, the, uh, the hill country is the spine that spreads from north to south across the Sinai Peninsula. The sea is the Mediterranean off to the west, and the Jordan is the river on the eastern border. The spies are saying that nowhere is safe. Everywhere we turn, there will be opposition. Foes are all over. The summary of their report from spying out the land is, the land is better than we could have imagined, and the foes are stronger than we could have ever dared dream. And so the question at this moment for them is, what is going to happen now? Because between the promises of God there and the people where they are in the moment are foes which are too strong. Now, here is where Caleb shows up. You know, I want you to do this. Let what 
let your own life come into your mind for a moment. I know that some of you who listen are facing opposition to forward movement along the path that God himself has called you to go that is stronger than you. I know it. Because I know some of you personally. I know your stories. I've, I've, I've begun to hear more of your stories. And it's just borne out this truth. <laughs> that when you try to step forward, whether it's a small step as some of you are taking or a really big one, you will face opposition. Think of that. It's also true for Renaissance Church, which has got such a beautiful promise before it. And, and I would guess that it's true of every church, that there's a good promise before it and opposition in the way. There in that moment, on the edge of the land, as the spies have just said to everyone gathered, no way we can continue forward. Caleb speaks up in verse 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once for we are, and, and occupy the land, for we are well able to overcome it. He says, look, no hesitation. Let's stop talking about this and right now, let's go up immediately and let's go up and occupy the land. We can absolutely do it. There's no question. Can you imagine being in that crowd at that moment and seeing this man stand up with such confidence? Would it inspire you? If so, don't say anything, just be quiet. <laughs> it did not. It did not inspire the other people. It didn't. Here's the response of the men around them. Verse 31, the other spies. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against this people for they're stronger than we. And you know, they are 100% right in the second half of what they say. The Anak, the Amalekites, the Jebusites, everyone in the land, are, they're way stronger. They are. It's true. Faith does not say we are stronger than them. It says they are way stronger than us. Yes. And what reason in this moment amongst this group says is we can't go because they're too strong. And I'm going to tell you what. I've heard it. I've heard it in the conversations around this place. There's the question, does Renaissance have as a church what it takes to go forward with the barriers that will be before us? And on the one hand, I'll tell you, no. But who does? I, please, if you're wondering, does he think, I am so confident I want to jump up in the air and scream. I'm not going to do that. But, but look at what Caleb says in response to their doubt. This is further on in 14.9. He says this, do not rebel against the Lord. That means don't let your mind say, maybe God's wrong. Maybe I can't do this. Don't do that. F do not fear the people of the land. Don't let the giant stare you down and frighten you off. No, for they are no more than bread for us. That's his way of saying, we will eat them for lunch. Their protection is removed from them. And the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. I mean, this is a moment where we can put this story which is set here before us on this side and we can look at our own lives and there's, there's a principle here and a promise for us, for all of us, individually, for everyone who is willing to step out in faith and for Renaissance Church together and for the church that is, is in our days ahead, wherever we are, here's the promise. The promise is that when you step out in faith, trusting God, when you do that, like Abram did or like Joseph did or like Moses did, 
When you step out in faith, every time you will meet along the road foes which are stronger than you. That's the first principle. And then the second is God is stronger than any foe that will meet you on the road, hands down. Okay, sometimes the foe will be external to us. Sometimes the foe will be right inside of our heart, but doesn't matter. God is stronger. What is the foe that will make you want to stop walking on the path of faith? Think of it for a moment. For some of you, it's doubt. Uh, and you have good reason to doubt, right? God's people have let you down. The church disappointed you. And now in your heart, there's this question that really hampers you from stepping forward. Uh, for others of you, the giant is family. Instead of being a nurturing environment, your family imploded and now you're lonely. Divorce happened. Uh, it, there was a, a, a mess that you can't possibly fix. Your parents push you down instead of lift you up. Your children drive you crazy instead of making you proud. But family has become the barrier. Uh, for others, maybe it's uh, being in a completely different place than where, where your spouse is, and it's really hard. That makes it very difficult to keep moving forward. It could be anything. It could be your job. It could be the shame that you carry into this place. It could be an addiction that has mastered you and you can't get the best of it. Some habit that you're in that keeps you going in the wrong direction away from God. It could be time. It could be money. It could be knowledge. It could be a lack of confidence. Whatever it is. I'm not going to tell you this morning that you are stronger than that foe. Maybe you're not. But I am going to say, without any equivocation, God is far stronger still. And he is with you. And that promise that I started with from Paul, which said, I'm confident that he who began a good work among you is able to bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. What is that day? I don't know. Jesus knows. But in the future, Jesus has this great and grand promise, which is beyond what any of us could ask or imagine. And he's completely able to carry us from here to there. He is. <laughs> I'm getting excited. Now, I want this to be really practical. I do. I don't want it to just be inspiring and exciting. I want that. I also want the faith of Caleb to live in you. I want that. And that's another thing that happens when I sit and meet with volunteers or with elders or with staff and leaders in this church. I want faith to live in you like lives in Caleb. Why? Because that's how God is going to make this thing what it was meant to be. And so I want to be practical. Where does this faith come from? I'm going to answer that question for every one of us. Where does it come from? Because I want us to have it. And then how does it actually work in life? If it comes from somewhere, when the, how does it actually operate in my life tomorrow and the next day and in our life together in the months ahead? And then finally, what, what, what's the outcome? If we can find where it comes from and then begin to live in this faith, what should we expect down the road? I want, to, I want to address all three of those questions. Let's start with the first one that I mentioned, which is where does this faith come from? Here's the answer. You ready? Faith, like Caleb's, which trusts God's power in the present, comes from the experience of God's power in the past. I'll let that sink in for a moment. It comes from remembering what God has done for you in the days behind you. To picture Caleb. I really want you to imagine him. Imagine him there. He's gone into the land. He's seen the impossible strength of the Anak. He's back on the verge of the land with everyone else. And now he thinks, he remembers what it was like to be a slave in Egypt. Imagine that. He remembers what it was like to wake up in the morning and to feel the cold steel of shackles on his ankles. 
He remembers what it was like to hear the sound of chains as he shaped the rocks for some other man's buildings. He remembered what it was like to go to sleep hungry and thirsty. He knew what it was like to have no freedom, to be trapped, to be miserable, to be treated inhumanly day after day as a commodity owned by a man named Pharaoh. He remembered that. And he also remembered the first day that he heard that a liberator was coming, that someone was going to come into Egypt and lead him and God's people out of that oppression. And he remembers the day that Moses stood and made the impossible promise. God will free us. And he remembers the day that he left Egypt behind and walked through the waters miraculously and saw the, the enemies of God's people, the armies of Pharaoh and their might, utterly destroyed by the river, wiped away. He remembered that. And remembering what God had done back then, he looked at the trouble ahead of him and thought, no problem for God. That's where faith comes from. You, every one of you who is a Christian, okay? Every one of you has a faith. You are free to remember what it was like before God freed you. Do it. Remember the shame and misery of having to justify yourself every day. Remember how annoying it was to always have to be right because that was what your, your value depended on. Or remember when your identity was defined by your accomplishments and so you were ashamed of who you were. Or you were afraid because you thought your whole life was up to you. Remember that? Remember that? And then remember when God came and broke those chains and freed you and said, no, I love you and that's where your value is. You're utterly free. I've taken away your sin and shame. It's not you anymore. I have my power for you and it's for you every step of the way. Do you remember that? If it seems like a really long time ago, when you face foes in the present, remember that and let that power bring the faith of Caleb to you in the present, okay? Yeah? Help me out here. I don't want you to be silent here. Now listen, if you're here and you think that's never happened for me, I don't have that kind of freedom in, for, because I can't remember God ever doing that. Okay, please listen. You are in the right place here. You are free to want it and you should. You should want to have memories of when God freed you. You should ask him for it. If you have an Egypt in which you are oppressed and trapped right now, be metaphorical here, all right? If you have that, I'm going to be quiet. Ask God to free you from it. Whatever you believe, say, God, if you're real, would you free me? I'll tell you what. I hope before this series is done that some of you say, it's time for me to believe, really. It's time for me to accept God's liberation from Egypt. I'm ready to go. I do. I hope that happens. Where does it come from? Faith like Caleb's comes from remembering what God has done in the past in the present. Okay, the second question, how does it actually work? If I, if I remember that, how does it actually work practically in the present? Think of Caleb again, and I want you to do two things. I want you to think of Caleb, and I want you to see yourself right there beside Caleb. I want you to see Caleb facing his giants, and I want you to see yourself facing your giants, whatever they are, and they're personal for you. Picture Caleb in that moment looking down the road and seeing the land that God has promised. He can see it there in the distance and he knows it. God gave, God gave me a promise that that's what he's leading me toward. And then Caleb has between him and that promise, the giants. And what I want you to know is this is how it works. You ready? It comes from remembering and how it works is to look at that giant and say, way stronger than me, but way less strong than God. And if Caleb had the benefit of coming in here this morning and receiving these cards, he would have taken it out of his coat pocket at this moment. And this is what you are going to do. Take it out of your pocket and you're going to look at it. 
Uh, look up here. I have a picture of the card up here in case you don't want to. But this is what you do. You now, as you face your giant, you look at this card and you read this word also from the, the Apostle Paul in Philippians. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Which, is mean, which means you are free in that moment to face your giant, look beyond it, and say, that one beyond the giant is so strong and powerful that I can move right through this giant because of his power and his strength. What can I do? All things through him who strengthens me. Now listen, uh, there needs to be caution here, okay? Because someone's going to think, I've always wanted to do a 360 dunk, and this tells me that I can do it through God's strength, and you're going to break your ankle. I had a friend who was a Christian counselor at a youth camp one summer, and there were a group of kids that were supposed to get over a rock wall. The rock wall was very challenging. There was one kid who was not equipped for it, and the counselor egged this kid on. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And the kid fell off the wall and hurt himself and the guy who was belaying him. This does not mean anything you want, but it means, and it does, that if God has called you to walk this way, if you've heard God's invitation to move forward in faith, then there's nothing that can stop you. Nothing. Because God's power is with you and can move you. Now someone might say, if only I had the foggiest idea about what God is calling me to. Okay, last week, do you remember I said, read Romans 12 when thinking about where your gifts might be. If you read Romans 12, you also already have some images of the kinds of paths that God calls people down. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna share a few of them. So this has to be concrete. And read it again if you want. If you did, you would have read there, do not be conformed to this world. That is a path that God calls people to walk down. Do you know how hard it is not to conform? Do you know that? Whether you're a high school student and the peer pressure is great in the cafeteria or you're a mom who's at a, a class meeting with other class moms and they're talking about their lives or you sit in a corner office on the 23rd floor looking out over Manhattan and you've arrived. In every one of those environments, the power and pressure to conform, it's stronger than you, right? But God's power is stronger. You can do all things and live even in that environment as a light, no matter how dark it is. Uh, you would have read in Romans 12, let love be genuine. Get this, outdo one another in showing honor. You know we live in a, in a place that wants us to outdo one another by receiving honor and how strong and powerful the inclinations to do that are. No, here God says, look at the people around you and, and figure out how can I honor them better than they honor me. That's the path that God calls us down. Bless those who persecute you. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is good and noble in the sight of all. Never avenge yourself. Never. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Every one of these is a clear path. Every one of them is challenging. On every one, you will face foes. On every one, you are free to say, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's how it works. Now, the last question that I want us to see with clarity is what is the outcome if we're going to walk forward in faith like this? And this is really, really clear, especially in the story of Caleb, okay? And it's, it's very strong too. And I'm gonna set it before you with all clarity. I come back one last time. There they are before Moses. Caleb says, we can occupy it. Everyone else says no. One guy, Jacob, stands beside him and says, I can, we can do this. Uh, not Jacob, Joshua, sorry. Joshua stands beside Caleb and said, you know what, I'm with him. It's just two out of 10. Everyone else says no chance. Moses can't believe it. 
uh, he's so frustrated and upset and he stands before God and talks to God. God says to Moses, hey, did you remember what I did in Egypt? Like Caleb remembers and Joshua remembers. Do you remember that? Yeah, I know how strong the foes are. Trust me. And then Moses says, look, will you forgive us for being so faithless? And he says, yes. God says, of course I forgive you. But listen now. This is what God says to him. There is an outcome of faith. And there is an outcome of choosing not to trust too. There are both. And this I want to set before us. He says very plainly to Moses and then Caleb gets this too. You ready? He says, all of those who chose not to trust me and not believe, they will never see the land that I promised them. And that group of people wanders for 40 more years in the desert before, getting, before anyone gets into the land. Now listen, I mean, this is another principle. We are completely free not to trust. That, I don't, God's made it like that. He can tell us, here's where I want you to go. He can assure us in our hearts, I will be there with you and strengthen you at every step. You don't have to rely on your own power. You've got mine. And we can see that foe and we can choose not to trust. We can say, I still don't believe. And you know, if we do that, we will never move forward on the path which God has invited us down and therefore we will never inherit the promises that he has set before us. I want you to be clear. If you've decided to give up in the past, God is always ready and waiting for you to turn again and come and inherit his promises. But God will allow us to choose not to go into his promises. And that happens for everybody amongst those people except now, I want you to look at the last text I want you to see. This is in chapter 14 of Numbers, verse 24. But, God says, my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me wholeheartedly, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. And then further on, he, he, he brings into that same promise Joshua. The very simple fact is, if we choose to believe and trust, no matter how great the foe is, we will see God's promises come to be. We will. That is a promise. Now, I want to end with a challenge. And I want to make it very specific. Uh, first, the challenge to those among us who are people of faith and are Christians, who have in the past the sense of God's freedom and are in this present moment trusting him. Here it is. The challenge to us is very simply this. Spend time yet again this week saying, God, what is the next step that you are calling me to? Now, don't get derailed by asking, what's your plan for my entire life? Ask, what is, what is it for the next step? And then whatever it is, don't be surprised when you find yourself thinking, but I can't do that because there's that impossible barrier. Yes, of course there is. Yes, of course. And then bring to mind the promise of that, that articulate, that's articulated by Paul that he who began this work will complete it. Bring to mind the promise of Caleb here. Anyone who trusts me will inherit the promise. Take the card out and look at it. I can do all things. And then move forward, would you? That's my challenge to you as Christians. To those of you who are not in this moment saying, yes, I'm a person of faith, I'm a Christian. Here's my challenge to you. It's very simple. The promise of God, I'm going to tell you what the promise is. The promise of God that is before you is freedom from everything that holds you back. Freedom from sin and guilt and shame and everything that hampers you. Freedom, to have, ha, freedom from having to be your own God 
Freedom from having to prove yourself, to set yourself right. And what's before you is the grace and love and mercy of God that says, I love you more than you could ask or imagine, more than you would ever dare to dream. And what I'm asking you to do is step forward in faith. Trust me. Would you believe in your heart? That's my challenge to you. If you don't accept it this morning, okay, I'll be challenging you again, I promise. As long as you're around, I'll do that. Because I know what God wants for you is beyond what you could ever dream, and I want that for you too. And, and here's my last challenge. is for the church as a whole, for Renaissance. My challenge for us is to want what I've just articulated and to trust the promise that is before Renaissance Church, which God gave to it when the elders and then along the way the staff and you volunteers who are at work here have begun to discern what God's promise is for this place. Here's his promise. Are you ready? God's promise for Renaissance Church is that you follow me and I will be a light that brings your neighbors and your friends into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. We already heard about that this morning. That's God's promise. Does it seem unlikely to happen in this place maybe to you? Are there some giants in the way of that? Maybe. So what? I mean, serious. The promise of God is for Renaissance Church, trust me. Whatever the barriers are, no matter how great they are, trust me and I will give you this promise that I will use you to bring people into a living and growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And then you watch what happens. And my challenge to the church altogether is to believe and trust that and to hope for it with me. To every staff member, to the elders who are gathered here, to every volunteer, to those of you who've been on the sidelines, get in the game. Let's do it. Let's go up and possess that land at once because he who has called us is more than able to do it. Now I'm going to add to this word my word of prayer. I'm going to ask God to give us his power and to show us. And then we're going to sing together. We're going to ask for that power in song. Let's pray. God, for this time to gather with these brothers and sisters, with these friends and with these strangers even, I thank you so much for the week that was behind me and for all the joy it was to get to know this place more and better than I had in the past, I give you thanks. For the many ways in the years that are behind that you have done great things through Renaissance, I am so thankful and I praise you. God, I dare even say for the challenges that have been in front of this place along the road and even for the challenges that have been in our lives individually, I give you thanks for them as well because I know that you shape us through them, and that you are stronger still. God, in the days ahead, I ask simply that you would give us open ears to hear your call, to know the paths that you're inviting us down, and then, God, give us the faith like Caleb had, like Paul wrote of, the faith to say, no matter what stands in our way, God is stronger. God, and then give us clarity and confidence in you to move forward. God, one last thing I want to add. If your spirit has stirred in the heart of any man or woman this morning who might for the first time say, I'm ready to be liberated from this oppression, God, would you take away anything that would hold them back and give them a strong sense of your grace and acceptance now? And if any one of us who've been for days and years walking with you, but we've got to that place where we're trapped again, and, and as I've spoken, you've moved in their hearts to step out again, would you do that now? I ask that in Jesus' name, who is our mighty Savior. In his name I pray, amen.